Hi everybody, uh, welcome to episode 7 of Recording as Eligible. Um, <clears throat> we are unfortunately not joined by Matt today, who um, had a spontaneous um, life event that's going to keep him out. So it is just me, um, I'm Paul Noonan, um, I write for the Shepard Express and Acme Hacking Company, and I do this podcast. Um, with me, as generally always, is... J.R. Radcliffe, training sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And full disclosure, we decided we will mention the fact that we're watching this during a pretty important Brewers game yeah, um, on, a, on a Tuesday night. I mean, it's it's we just saw the Brewers take a 2-1 lead, and so to date ourselves completely, yes. because everyone will know what has happened, we will be in real time reacting, potentially with some terrible depression. Or some some good vibes. Right now the Brewers are winning, so could yeah. be good vibes. We, we we miss Matt, but we also um, he's not a baseball fan. Not he, a baseball he, fan. He doesn't like it. What, no, that's fine. Like you like what you like. That's totally cool. Jr. and I are. Um, we I think come at at analysis and writing from really a baseball point of view more than anything. So um, we like having the baseball game on. It's nice. And that moose bomb was amazing. It was absolutely <laughs> destroyed. So, it, it was very um, pure. Yes. But um, we are not here to talk about baseball. That is for the other guys on the other podcast. Shout out to the Milwaukee's tailgate. Yes, who, who we are partners with and we should mention more frequently than we do. Um, and I, I know that uh, Ryan and JP are actually recording the minor league pod right now. So um, Wow, we're the, like concurrent podding. That yes. has to be like a that's that has to be a thing. Yeah, I wonder if they're watching this. We can like sync up. No, that's that's too out Oh, that'd there. be crazy. Yeah. It's like syncing up the TV with the radio, except people are talking about two completely different things. Right. That and, sounds like a great idea. And they don't go together at all and make no sense. That um, would be amazing. Yeah. And um, terrible. So, what a terrible idea. Awful idea. Um, some other time. <laughs> <laughs> some other time. <laughs> anyway, um, we, we do. Um, we, have a, we had a football game this week we again, had, Paul. That's two weeks actual, in a row. We did. And actual football. Uh, I, for one, am enjoying having football games <laughs> to talk about. Well, when the outcome is what it is, yes. yeah. So, um it, it was we had a good outcome um a little bit of a weird game again but it's always good to beat the vikings who are uh, like frankly i i like the vikings less than the bears the i feel like the, oh, the, that interests me that surprises so me. the packers and part of this is living in chicago and um i lived in chicago for a long time and and it, that swayed you toward not hating the bears which it, is not the reaction i would have expected um when you're down there i would say it's a, a, a pretty congenial um rivalry for the most part okay. and the other thing about about it that's a little weird is that rivalry, like, they're very rarely good at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, tip, all through the 80s, the Bears were good and the Packers were terrible. Um, all through the Favre years, the, the Bears were pretty terrible and the Packers were very good. Um, we had a couple years with Lovey Smith. Well, 2011, when they were seeing a yeah, championship that, and that all is that. The, the big 20, one. 2010, so they, they I guess we should a, call it. They've had a few memorable playoff meetings lately under the, the Lovey Cutler regime. <laughs> um but generally speaking, they're not very good at the same time. Um, you kind of know who's going to win. The Vikings, on the other hand, have been right there with the Packers for quite a while. Um, for for a long, long time, they've had um, you know a lot of instances where they've met in the playoffs after playing each other the week before, and um, you know, like sometimes with Joe Webb, sometimes with better people. <laughs> but uh, um, and I feel like their fans like are almost worse. Um, they are very passive-aggressive Minnesota fans. They're not really great fans. They don't show up in large numbers all the time. Uh, they just kind of show up and annoy you and then go away for a while. So I, I don't like I it. kind of agree with that. I do feel it's similar to baseball. <laughs> Let's bring it back to baseball. Uh, <laughs> the Cubs-Cardinals. I mean, and I, I feel like Cubs, Cubs and Brewers haven't always been good at the same time, even though 
you know, 2008 and 20, um, 2018 are two examples where they were. So that's kind of, you know, wrong to say, but uh, I do feel like the Cardinals should be viewed as the enemy of this fan. I agree. The Cardinals are, even when the Cubs are good, the Cardinals are always there too. And they're the ones that actually do the damage. And I mean, you can go back to 82 with that. I I actually see a lot of similarities between, so before I say this, um, I actually think that the Packers are somewhat very similar to the Cardinals as well in a lot of ways um, in terms of both success and fan bases and um, kind of the, you know, middle of the country still dominant yeah. kind of thing. Very loyal fan base and but, yet despised mostly by everybody else. Yeah, that too. Um, but since I am a Packer fan, from my perspective, the Vikings are kind of the Cardinals. So um, for a lot of the same reasons we just mentioned, they're annoying. Plus that horn is stupid. I hate the horn. Everyone hates the horn. Yeah. I think you've got to even hate the horn. But it doesn't matter because both fan bases are hurting having lost to the Packers in the first two weeks of the season. 21-16 yeah. in week two. See you later, Minnesota. Not Which bad. Which is great. Um, so... Um, I'm not going to say good game all around. Defense showed up again, played really well. Yeah, Um, so let's start with the let's start there. All right, because I I want your impression of whether or not this defense was actually good. Like I want to say they were. I mean, 16 points is 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 good for the most part. But you think about Kirk Cousins really made some just egregious mistakes. (laughs) The throw into the end zone against. I mean, it's no secret. It was just a terrible decision. Kevin King's interception really kind of turns the tide of the game. You know, if he hits his own man. Or doesn't make that throw at all, which would be the ideal. You know, they could they could easily have that game in hand, and then you start to look at the yardage total that the Packers gave. I up. think that's the big thing that you'd worry about is the yardage yeah. total. The Vikings gained a lot of yards in that game, uh, gave the ball away a bunch of times. Um, I I do think that the defense was good. Um, they were certainly opportunistic. They um, they got a lot of third down stops. They got turnovers when they needed to. Those things are not always consistent. Um, that is certainly a little bit of luck. Uh, however. Um, I, I do think they, they also showed up in the, the consistent areas pretty well, too. They had generally good coverage. Um, Stefan Diggs had that touchdown, but generally he was shut down. Um, they, they got burned by some big plays that aren't sustainable. Like the Dalvin Cook run was a, a phenomenal you know piece of football. He did great. He made a good cutback. He got a defender out of position. Um, you, you know what? I don't even know if he was out of position. Yeah, I mean, sometimes he's he playing center field. Like, yeah, Delvin so, Cook is just really good. He's just man. really good. Sometimes you just make a good play. And I think that was one of those where um, Vikings had a good play call for the, the defense that was there, and they executed it really well. So um, it, it, those things go against you sometimes. Guys bust off those off, and you you, you lose on those. So um, I do think that they got pressure consistently. They were generally very good in coverage. They were stuck to guys. Um, and they should have had like two or three interceptions on top of what they got. Yeah, um, that that's a theme so far. Two games is not a theme, but um, they have had trouble hanging onto the ball when they've had balls thrown to them. But they're in position to get them, and at some point, those are going to start sticking. Um, especially to Jair Alexander, who has been all over people. Um, did not have a great game, but had a good game and should have had some picks. The most important thing about Jair Alexander is that if you say his name with just a little bit of a slur, it sounds like Jr., which is an excellent first name. Uh, I was very encouraged to see Darnell Savage's play where he knocks the ball out uh, for a fumble, and 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 BJ Goodson even who is I mean I don't know if you you know BJ Goodson's so new to the party I don't know if we like consider him part of the fabric of what the Packers are doing on defense, but he also put his helmet on a ball to force a fumble. Like you know you've got the deflected ball that turns into an interception for Preston Smith. Like they're hunting these turnovers. And that is encouraging because they were so you know mediocre at this last year. Yeah, that's the Packer front, um, really the front three really uh, is is being so good at getting Ballers. disruption. Dean Lowry had a great game. He was in yeah. the backfield a ton. Kenny Clark had his normal game, which is an outstanding game, and it really frees up the guys behind him just to to head downhill and just lay wood on people. And 
Um, so you got Blake Martinez Bla- with double digit tackles. It is. I mean, Blake Martinez is a function of the team in front of him, but he's also no offense, bud. He's uh, it's the linebacker's life, but he's inside linebacker's life. But he's getting to the spot and he's not missing tackles. Like Blake Martinez, um, his job is one of the easiest on the defense, but he makes the tackle. He rarely misses. He gets to the guy. So um, I do think there was a good performance. It was not a perfect performance. I am a little worried what's going to happen to them when they actually face a good quarterback because it's not it's going to be a little bit here um yeah i mean no offense to joe actually, <laughs> actually offense, att- offense intended joe flacco is not a good quarterback so we're going to nope. wait at least another week extreme offense to joe flacco who is bad um <laughs> and should not test the defense uh. although i'll tell you what as i was researching some numbers i was just plain plain old looking in the last 10 years which teams have the best overall record with the theory being you got to have that that frontline quarterback even even though it doesn't mean you will win a championship in a given year like some teams obviously ride their defense and the top five teams have all have that you got the patriots you got the steelers with ben roethlisberger who's done for the year very sad uh not really don't like him <laughs> he's uh, a bad guy it's good he's, he's, done. he's a bad guy the packers obviously have aaron Rodgers. uh the seahawks have russell wilson and i'm completely blanking on the fifth team but was it oh you, it was the saints drew Brees. yeah so there's five <laughs> r.i.p so there's uh <laughs> bad, bad week for old quarterbacks yeah bad week for you know, aaron Rodgers. stay healthy but uh i mean eli too i mean not that he's good but you know yeah a name yeah, I still think Eli is going to get some Hall of Fame votes. He will. I think he might go into the Hall of Fame. I think he might be too, baffling. But it, well, I don't think it'll be baffling. It, it's like the the dope explanation for it is he has two Super Bowls and his last name is Manning and he played in New York. Yeah, rings he's, and counting stats. He's like a worse Derek Jeter. That's what he is. <laughs> oh, man, that's harsh. It's all about New York, baby. Yep. Uh, but anyway, the, the number six team on this list was Baltimore. And uh, mm-hmm. obviously their defense has kind of been their sort of trademark over the, over the years. But Joe Flacco... You know, he, he he threw some threw he, some balls around in a Super so Bowl. Like got, it's possible. He had a very good postseason when during their last Super Bowl run. He yes. was outstanding. Uh, that happens sometimes. Um, it's not unprecedented for bad quarterbacks to get hot in the playoffs and take their teams to Super Bowls. I mean, Eli kind of did it twice, to be honest. Um, but you know, Jeff Hostetler has a Super Bowl ring, and Mark Rippin <laughs> has a Super Bowl ring, yeah. and um, there's Nick Foles. Yeah, I mean. Yes, also. I know that's. I know it's different, but still, um, it's it's really not that different. It's not like Nick Foles is a world beater, and he's. I think right? He, no, I just mean he's he kind of picked it up midstream. He's a good backup. That's what he is. But yes. uh, but um, that happens. And, and Joe Flacco, like he's he's very bad now. He wasn't always very bad. He was okay. He he's a guy you can win with if you have a good defense. And there's value in having that if you build a good defense. The Ravens have a good front office. They they do a good job. They just gave him a contract they shouldn't have. I'm sure they regretted it. Um, Pretty quickly, but uh, they still kept the team hum- humming. So, but your point is, when they do see a good quarterback, this defense, you know, has shown that they can be beaten from time to time. That's right. I, I would, I would hesitate anybody to draw too big of a conclusion that this is like a dominant top five defense at this point. It, it might be, but it, until they get tested by you know the Eagles in a few weeks, the the the, the Chiefs in a few weeks, um, we should withhold judgment a little bit. I think it's safe to say they're good. But uh, if they get, you know, if they have a couple games where they give up 30 plus, no one should be surprised. It probably is going to happen. Yeah. So let's keep talking about bad quarterbacks because uh, we have ripped quite a bit of Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, he is not good. The Boy, is he bad. Bears gave away a whole bunch of assets to get him, and he continues to be bad. Their best receiver this weekend was um, roughing the passer. Yes. It, it was uh, their second leading receiver on the team, 
and uh, it was the reason they won the game. It was very clutch. Um, the Bears <laughs> should give a game ball to roughing the passer. It is the reason they won. To be fair, roughing the passer has had a good run in the last few two, years. The last two years, roughing the passer has been pretty dominant. Um, <laughs> it really benefited from the rules change and has really shown up in a big way. I don't think anybody could really foresee that coming to this extent. But yeah, roughing the passer, um, when it gets off its rookie contract, is going to really <laughs> it's gonna is going to clean up. Cash. Oh, that's really funny. Anyway, um, you know, one of my theories here is with the Packers having this dominant quarterback one uh, over the past, I don't know, since we've been alive, uh, it has compelled other teams within the division to try to keep pace any way they can. And you see, I mean, it's not just having a good quarterback in the division, but I do think you're going to have teams pre- feeling pressure to do what the Packers have done. And consequently, you see some overpayments for guys that just aren't as good. And it, with Mitch Trubisky, it was draft capital. With Kirk Cousins, it's actual Real capital. capital. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I just dollars to production, I think, I, you know, Matthew Stafford and Kirk Cousins are just got two of the worst in the league. Like, the amount of money that they're getting paid with the production they're giving them. And, and then the Vikings know this. They, they let them throw the ball 10 times or 12 times in week one. And they showed exactly why. We saw exactly why that was in week two. And Kirk Cousins was yep. dreadful. I just, I, I, I just sit, I look at the contract and I laugh. It's incredible that the, that, the Packers are in this great shape, and the rest of the division just cannot get it right. Yeah, um, I, I, I think that's a good point too. And even before Trubisky, they, the Bears traded quite a bit for a Cutler, and like I, I don't really think you can you can blame them too much for that. I think that um, Cutler was a good enough prospect that that was worth doing, but yeah, that's a lot of capital the Bears have given up now for two you know kind of mediocre quarterbacks. <laughs> being very kind to Trubisky at the moment, <laughs> who can only aspire to be mediocre. Better. I do think he gets better from here, but I oh, think gracious. he's... So uh, this is dumb of me because it's only been two weeks, but that's not true because we had all last season. I think he's trash. I think he's going to flame out. This is going to be Cade McNown um, version two. Oh, um, it, oh he, a dagger to the heart. I, and I think that because like I, I wrote earlier this year that I they built their offseason was as if they know he's bad. And there's every week is more and more evidence that they know he's bad. He had... Uh, there's a good advanced stat. I, I apologize. I forgot who did it. Um, I think it came from PFF, but he had the most wide open throws this week. Um, they were like, the, the coach actually serious? schemed open wide receivers really well for him. They got him tons of simple throws, and he still was like the, the top of missing open throws. So, like, um, and let's not forget his touchdown throw could have been picked. It very easily probably could've, should have been probably should have been picked. Um, yeah, they got Flacco, but not that one. Um, <laughs> but it, that, 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 but. That is true. Um, I, I do feel a little bit bad for Stafford, who um, it, I think had he come out a couple years later when the rookie... Ca- I mean, he got paid. I don't feel bad for him. He's rich and you yeah. know probably happy. But he got paid like a, a great quarterback right away because he was before the rookie cap came. Detroit didn't get to capitalize on bargain Matt Stafford. And bargain Matt Stafford's probably a pretty good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, he's okay once you have him. It, it's hard to part with him because you can do a lot worse than Matthew Stafford. But uh, yeah, I think he'd be here regardless. Yeah, um, it's just it. If you're not really good at team building around him, it's just tricky to do. So, um, and the Lions really burned. I think you maybe even made this point. It isn't just Stafford. They had they got some. And Dominican Sue is one another. They had one. Calvin Johnson too. All, yeah, all at the same time before uh. the rookie cap <laughs> set in. So they had some superstars at three different spots on the field. I mean, Stafford superstar is a little bit overstating, yeah, but like but very a good, competent, a good quarterback. And they just couldn't afford to pay the team around them, and consequently, you lost. You, yeah. you didn't have a chance to really see those guys in bloom. Yep, it is. It is a shame. And um, the Vikings are, I think, uh, <laughs> it is a shame. <laughs> it's a shame. <laughs> I, I, I do, like. I, I have no rivalry feelings for the Lions, and I do kind of feel bad for them, um, especially since like 
I think they made some good decisions when they got those three guys. That was good scouting. Like they had Calvin Johnson and Dominguez. Yeah, those um, studs. Yeah, it's just it things circumstances have been against the Lions for a long time. But um, the Vikings are interesting because the year before they signed Cousins. He's he's in a bad spot. So the most efficient quarterback the year before they signed him was Case Keenum by DVOA. Um, Case Keenum's not good, but uh, I think it was Fr- uh, Pat Shermer was the offensive coordinator that year, um, and just ran a really good offense, got good throws to Thielen and, and Diggs, and um, made Case Keenum work. And there was no way that the next quarterback was going to be as good as that season, even if it was Case Keenum back, because it was just a lucky, good, well-coached season. So Shermer left. Um, they got in John DeFilippo to replace him. They signed Cousins to a giant deal. And Cousins is probably better than Case Keenum is. But the offense was doomed to be worse. And there, when you pay a guy a ton of money and the offense is worse, it looks bad. It looks It's bad for him. It's bad for new coaches. It's bad for the whole team. So um, unfortunate for the Vikings. It, I don't think they've dealt with it particularly well. I don't think they really played a Cousins' strengths. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> By not having him throw, well, I think they do quite well. He's not, actually, he's not that bad. No, like, I know that. And he has like they have weapons to work with. Um, it's it, it's weird they've been as bad as they have. But uh, I would have gone heavier on defense if I were them and just caught up to the Bears. That would be the way I would have handled the situation. We we're gonna get a lot of conversation still, even even though Kevin King had a nice play and has you know had a couple. He's done okay to start the season for sure. The emphasis on how the Packers did not draft T.J. Watt. And Ryan Ramchick in the, with the picks that you know because they traded the pick of course in 2017. But but with Harrison Smith doing what he's doing for the Vikings, knowing that they took Nick Perry one pick before him in 2012, <laughs> we need to t- we need to emphasize that more. That was a major whoopsie, and that was at a time when a safety would have been a good idea for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, that's true. It's hard to. Nah. Nick Perry looked like he had some potential. He did. Um, and, and I actually was big on, I mean, big, I say this as the, the most amateur of draft analysts, yeah. but I think that's the Jarrell Worthy year. And I really thought they were going to take him. And I thought, oh, they really should take Jarrell Worthy. He was awesome at Michigan State. And then they got him in the second round. I was yeah. ecstatic. Yeah. What a moron I am. <laughs> they, Ted liked that type till his his last day as GM. Like, if you went to mock draftables, like any defensive end or linebacker they took, it, he was always a top comp for him every single time. It was obnoxious uh, the Packers have <laughs> always had a type I think they, you said it they totally have a type um, so since we're talking we've been talking about elite quarterbacks and how the, <laughs> the division doesn't have them except the Packers can't relate can't relate Aaron Rodgers was good for a at least a very important window of time in this week two game 15 first 15 minutes of the game are spectacular the Packers look incredible they, they score three times turn a turnover and make it a 21 point lead and then things go south from there as you watch this game did you think Minnesota has made adjustments that are that are hampering what the Packers are doing because that was vintage Packers. It was it has been a while yep, since yep. since those feelings have been felt. Uh, but uh, but then maybe maybe it's on Green Bay too. I don't know. What did you so, think of what changed? I watched the game twice, and the first time through, I was like, Minnesota has adjusted, and Lafleur's um, not adjusting back. Like it, my analysis first was they they scripted good plays. They they scripted plays that play off of each other that you that, that, that screen pass touchdown uh, was a direct um, play off of an earlier play that had gone the other right. way it was beautiful and when he ran out of script he couldn't adjust on the fly um it's fascinating well i changed my mind on second watch okay um and i actually now think that their offensive performance was better than sort of meets the eye and they were mostly unlucky um interesting so here's why um 
first of all, they were gonna they were gonna get another at least field goal and quite possibly a touchdown right when Allison fumbled. Um, when he caught that ball, he got the first down. Um, they were gonna be at the thirty six of the Vikings with you know a fresh set of downs. They were probably gonna get a field goal try minimum out of that drive. Um, they get up twenty eight. That game's over. Mm-hmm. And um, so that fumble comes. The defense, to their credit, forces an immediate three and out to get the ball back. Um, second down on the next drive is that dime off of his back foot to Devontae Adams on the left hash going Great out of bounds in Minnesota territory. Yeah. Now that was a that was a good defensive play, but Adams should have held, held on to that ball. It hit him in the hands. Um, you you got to win that. Um, and again, that probably should have turned into points. That was a beautiful throw. Um, another drive kind of ruined by not bad luck. I mean, that's good defense and you know just good execution. But in another world, that's that's a catch and they're in field goal range again. And then they had uh, so we, we'll get to probably to the Aaron fourth and one in a little yeah, bit. Yeah. But they were they had four combined third and one or fourth and ones that they ran running plays on or the Aaron weird play that they got stuffed on and. Uh, that's again credit the Vikings for stopping them, but most of the time when you run on third and one or fourth and one, and the Packers have a good running game, you pick up half, and usually a little more than half. And if they pick up one or two more of those, they probably get points out of those too. Um, it's it's bad luck to get stuffed on all of them. It just is. So um, they it was not a great second half of offense, but they had some things kind of go screwy on them that that. Uh, Made it look worse than it was. Drew Pomeranz just dusted the yeah. Padres in the eighth. That was a good inning. There are times when he is pr- pretty average, and then there are times where he is like yeah. monster Drew, and he just crushed three <laughs> batters. I know. I think he threw like two balls. He just anyway. Back to High back heat. to what we're talking about. Anyway, yes. Um, the Packers did not go three and out very much. Um, they had a few random bad turnovers. Aaron Jones was e- efficient running the ball. He had, t- uh, I think, I counted twelve successful carries, meaning. After the play, they were more likely to pick up a first down than the play than before the play was run, which is what you want out of running plays. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I actually kind of like how it went, and I think it was mostly just um, bad timing, bad cluster luck, and um, you know they easily could have lost it. Like the Vikings left a lot of yards on the field, but it wasn't that bad a performance. Interesting. It, so your overall evaluation of the offense is to be really encouraged. I yeah, I, I was much more optimistic after I watched it a second time. Interesting. Yeah. That is that surprises me a little bit. <laughs> well, that's that's a good sign going forward. The offensive line, I think, has been a little maligned here, and and certainly more so in week one than week two. But um, you know, they've been a little dinged up, and then we've got this interesting exchange here where they've got El- Elton Jenkins playing some series, and Lane Taylor went back and forth. It, it feels like this is just. It feels like this is a, a slow passing of the torch that Elton Jenkins is going to be the starting guard at you know some point in the very near future. He should be now. Um, yeah. So what what are they waiting for then? Um, this is uh, this is a theory, not proven, but I, I do worry a little bit that Lafleur may love his veterans a little more than he should. Uh. Um, and the reason I think that is a Jenkins is clearly better than Lane Taylor at this point. Um, and I like Taylor better as just kind of a swing backup anyway at, at this point in time. He's older than I thought he was. He's, he's I think, 30 or 31 at this point. Um, and Jenkins has been great. Like, he dominated on um, the touchdown run, I think, that Jones had. I think he pancaked uh, Linval, which is really hard to yeah, do. Yeah, Linval Joseph, man, that is not, <laughs> that's not an easy matchup for no, a rookie. it's a really hard matchup. Um, he was great. And he's been he's been consistently great when he's been on the field. So um, the other thing, like Jimmy Graham, probably shouldn't be playing that much anymore because 
if Tanya if Tanyan's worse than Jimmy Graham, they should both be off the team. Mm. Um, Tanyan is faster. He plays that. He plays the big wide receiver position. Graham is he's not out there for his blocking. He just isn't. He's bad at blocking. Um, I think Lafleur wants a Mercedes Lewis type who is better than Mercedes Lewis and younger. Doesn't have it and doesn't know what to do with his tight ends. But like keep that's another bad veteran who gets to be out there and. I'd like to try. I would like to see the guys at the bottom of the wide receiver roster to play a little bit more because outside of Adams, those guys have been bad. Um, MBS yeah. has had one good moment. The rest of his catches have been hugely inefficient. Um, this is like there's no reason to go status quo on the offense on the skill position players after Adams. It, it, it is not justified. It hasn't was not justified in preseason. Is not justified after two games of performance um, where they put him in a hole. I think my colleagues made this point on the Packers podcast, Tom Silverstein, Jim Ozarski, who uh, who usually do their podcast right after the game, so they're bleary-eyed and hours have gone by, and <laughs> it's always pretty good stuff. But talking about the receiving core and how a lot of these guys are undrafted free agents slash late-round yep. picks. It's they not haven't... a talent-rich position, and right. so that's all the more reason to kind of cycle through and see, see what who you sticks. Got. Because Geronimo Allison's not a highly thought of player. He, he was in the UDFA, I think. Or, right. um, and I mean, we're seeing, you know, the, the third and one play that sets up the fourth and one. Like, he, there are limits to, to him. I mean, he's still... I, I, I could take that angle on that fly ball, by the way. Padre is <laughs> struggling. Uh, he's he's still... He's fine. He's good. Yeah. He could be... He, you know, he's a, he's a nice player. But if he's the if he's your third receiver... That's not great. And MVS is probably not the guy you want as your number two receiver when you don't have a tight end that you can rely on to be a big game, you know, big time receiver with Jimmy Graham clearly yeah. in the and twilight of his career. They've really struggled for lack of a slot guy too. Um yeah. they they they've talked about going big slot. I think that was maybe what EQ was gonna do before mm-hmm. he got hurt. Um I would like to see Shepard get some some run there because that's his he's the only guy on the team with that skill set. Like that's not what Trevor Davis's game is. Um and they are not getting middle field production. They're not getting outside production outside of Adams. Uh, like they should change this up and try a few more things. Yeah, uh, he seems to stick with his vets. Maybe he, maybe he'll change up later once they have uh, some better self scouting on tape. But uh, yeah, uh, like Jenkins is the obvious one. He should be starting every game. He's very good. Do you think the team would be served to go after like AJ Green, who's thirty one and probably <laughs> injury prone? I mean, that's there are going to be guys that are available that are on the older side of their career. Do you think that be, as a number two receiver, that would be a good thing for this team? I would like them to upgrade. Um, I don't like AJ. Uh, he's made some noise about wanting a new contract. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He's probably not going to work money-wise. Yeah, yeah. Like, if they can get Mike Evans out of Tampa Bay, they should do that. that oh, well, he's, yeah, of course. Well, I think he, he might be available. He's not having a very good year. I don't think they know what to do with him, and he's hyper-talented. Um, but there, there are a few guys you might be able to pry away. Some... Um, when we get to questions later, I know somebody mentioned Robbie Anderson. Mm. Um, I, I always like Albert Wilson. He's coming off an injury, um, but he is That's a sneaky good player. I liked. I, I wrote a column about him last year as a potential free agent target. He is um, he is ostensibly a slot receiver, but he is a good hybrid. He can go outside too. And if you may remember his one highlight last year before he got hurt was single-handedly beating the Bears um, when uh, when he was with the Dolphins. He had a monster game against them. So. Uh, love that guy, but th- th- it's a position they should try and upgrade. Tight end too, both of them. I mean, they'll get Sternberger back at some point, but we don't know if that's going to be an upgrade. Rookie tight ends usually are not, <laughs> unless you're T.J. Hawkinson, yeah, from the Packers well, he should have drafted. An, 
TJ did not have a good second game. No, that's true. That's true. Uh, let's talk about the running game. Staying on offense, Aaron Jones. He uh, he seems to be pretty good. Delvin Cook seems to be very good. I did <laughs> I did point out to you that the top ten through because this is such a great junk stat uh, through the first two weeks. If you look at the top ten rushers, yeah, yeah. so many of the running backs were first or second round draft picks. Mister, never draft a running back. They're all the same. They are all the same. Look at all those guys in there. You've got Delvin Cook, Saquon Barkley. Josh Jacobs, Carlos Hyde, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley. These are first and second round people. That's um, true. You know, How are the Giants doing with uh, Yeah, that's a good point. With Saquon, who is I think number one in DVO right now to his credit. So that's that's great. I mean he is good, but obviously obviously this is mismanaging the argument here the point is not that they aren't good running backs the point is that you could find that guy you could find saquon barkley in the yep. seventh round or undrafted camp so you shouldn't actually commit the resource i see I, I i understand i'm just i'm just ribbing you a little bit but let's aaron jones you know i i don't think anybody's blown away by what's happened yet the between the line play and him but he's he's good he's, he had a good he's game. done everything right he had a really good game he had a lot of very good, solid first down gains. He had a lot of six plus yard gains and a lot of nine yard gains. Um, he did get stuffed on short yardage a couple times, but Jamal Williams did too. Yeah, um, it was actually a really good full game from Jones. If you, I, 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 someone tweeted this. I put it in my column today with with credit. I forget who, but um, he also had one of the best blitz pickups you'll see um, on Harrison Smith. Um, where he just knocked him on his. Mm-hmm. So I remember um, you pointing that out. Yeah, very fun. It was great. Jones had a really good game. He was very efficient. He made the Packers better. Um, and like he did that last year. He's been a, an efficiency superstar since he's been in the league. Whenever he's on the field, this is the first time he's gotten this many carries. He didn't really seem to diminish with carries. Um, right. It was you know the Vikings still have a good defense, and he was still producing late in the game just as he was early so so, good to see. so crucial that he can pick up that blitz too yep. we've seen a lot of stats about how aaron Rodgers is not what he was against blitz pickup anymore and <laughs> we got then the yeah. blocking needs to be sound back there that was rough um, yeah yeah i know yeah, he's still aaron Rodgers is still pretty good though i'd rather have him uh but uh but yes yeah, so uh, a nice all-around uh all-around show i mean aaron Rodgers improved drastically in the rankings this week since drew Brees is going to be out for a long time and ben roethlisberger is going to be out forever <laughs> and um not that he was worse than eli though um statistically in some ways he kind of was oh boy that's harsh that's <laughs> harsh so yeah he's moving right up the food chain yep um so i wanted to ask this i wanted to go into a journalistic since this is my wheelhouse we'll talk about sort of this journalism sidebar because one of the things with Aaron is uh, that everyone of course latched on to is that there was a disagreement with Matt LaFleur <laughs> the very con- very very you know a topic that's been discussed time and time and time and time I again. love relationship talk I know it's it's wonderful it's great for Harlequin romance novels and football but uh, the 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 thing that initially cuz cuz I'm in charge of typically when I'm watching a Packers game I'm in charge of finding some angle what relative to social media relative to something weird that happened uh we'll talk more about this but in this case it was what the um sort of the studio officials were pointing out about the OPI call that was so crucial when uh, Dalvin Cook uh, was seen on replay as committing offensive yes. pass interference and took ended up taking four points off the board but um so I see that, and it's obviously something that I'd be interested in writing about. Immediately, you see the response on social media. Oh, mainstream media is going to take that and 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 spin it into something it's not, make it bigger than it is. And and I, I grant that that might be happening somewhere, but I also think it's sort of a chicken or egg question when we get to things like this. Like, do people really not want to see that covered? Because I feel like people have this voyeuristic instinct to want to know more about that. I think if you're a fan, you see that and you're like, okay. I realize this happens in football games, but I don't know for sure 
you know, we're still figuring out if Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur are going to work well together. I kind of want to know what the details are, what the background is. So is it is it okay for, for journalists to, to go into that, do you think? Or do you feel that that is pushing pushing a narrative too far? Uh, so it, it is... You can totally say bad things about journalists. It is not really my bag. So it, I... I I tend to like ignore all personal and like chemistry things um, just because uh, so my problem is they're hard to quantify. So I think it's For justified sure. to be curious about it. And we're baseball guys where personalities don't really and, matter. You know, a lot of the reason that people like me look askance at reporting like this is there has been so much over the history of journalism, like lazy coverage of things like body language and good clubhouse guys and leadership and and sort of nebulous concepts like that um you know there's been famously been teams that hate each other's guts and still win just fine and maybe because of that um and there have been plenty of teams where everybody gets along greats and things fall apart for them um so it's a hard thing to cover and it's an easy thing to cover lazily and just be and just assume that you know what people are thinking based on their actions out on the field. Not to say that that's happened here, but uh, it, it's it's just one of those things where when I see it, I'm like, well, okay, these these people don't know that. Now, that's not to say there aren't good reporters who you know have sources and talk to other people in the locker room on and off the record about what that actually did mean. And I think that that is valuable reporting that actually provides some insight into you know how. how um, a relationship can affect play and how people are actually getting along and, and you know, actually working to make the team better. So it's not that it can't happen. I think it's hard to distinguish between the two, and I think there's a huge temptation to take, take, take the easy way out from a lot of people. One thing, to peek behind the curtain a little bit of, of just kind of what we do, what I try to do is, one thing that we're more acutely aware of than ever before when we're in, when we're in, in this business is, our audience. We know we know who's reading what. We know what kind of people are reading what. You know, we don't we don't know your addresses necessarily, but we know like the traffic is coming from Milwaukee, or we know the traffic is is coming from all over. Or it's it, it, you know, in many cases, we can really get a good gauge of these are the types of stories that do well, and that's the type of story that will do extremely yep, well. I don't doubt that at all. And I mean, that's that's like modern culture to some extent. Is, sure, yeah, is, and psychology and stuff. Yeah, psychology and celebrity. Um, those kinds of things are hugely popular. They're, you know, not really my cup of tea, but I understand. <laughs> yeah. So there is obviously a fine line where you yeah. go from f- giving giving your audience content that they will find useful to just feeding a beast and not really having yep. a purpose. Uh, I, I do get entertained when people say you just want to get you just want to get clicks because my response to that kind of is, of course <laughs> yes, I do. I do. <laughs> and I'm not not just to like fill up some, you know, for, for some you know, to, to get a high tally or get a, get good marks or whatever, it's because I want to write something that's engaging. If yep. I write something that only a hundred people read, then I'm not going to do that again. I don't want to do that. I don't want to bore people, and I want to find an audience. So I'm always trying to find stuff that people are going to Abs- click on. Absolutely true. And um, I I will I will confess, I look at the traffic on everything I write to the extent I'm able to and allowed to. Yes. Um, and I like it when people listen to the podcast, and I check the numbers routinely. Of course. It's, it's good. It's a good thing to do. It's satisfying when a lot of people hit it. Um, I can tell you what my like five most popular pieces I've ever written are um, off yeah. the top of my head. Um, Dude, mine are so dumb. The most popular things I've written are so dumb. But anyway, keep going. I actually, the, I actually do like the most popular one I've ever nice. read. Nice. That's good feeling. Yes. Which, which was, um, by the way, I can get this in right now. Um, Andy Schaff helped me. Um, which, which was shout out to Andy Schaff. Which was um, how. 
about all the journalism about Aaron Rodgers' prime being wasted and about how <laughs> if you go to every other team, you can find exactly the same article being Amazing. written about literally every other quarterback. That's incredible. So, um, it was. I don't remember that. Oh, it's I, I, so not, not to toot my own horn too much, but uh, we wrote it. We wrote it as a, a trend that's destroying the NFL that that everybody's primes are being wasted. Um, and then we cited every articles about everybody's prime being wasted, from Tom Brady to Ben Roethlisberger to Peyton Manning, um, like. <laughs> Like literally, uh, we got into different positions, like with centers primes being wasted. Oh, a center. I think we had a center. Uh, we <laughs> back when Pittsburgh wasted Dermonte Dawson. Yes, but literally prime. in every NFL market, you can find an article about the quarterback's prime being wasted. That is so, sensational work. Yeah. So Fantastic. anyway, yeah, that was that, that's that's the most traffic thing I've ever written, and it was actually good. So. The biggest story I wrote last year was, and this is not, it's not because it was that interesting. It was because it got caught on with Bleacher Report and just sort of took off. But it was about uh, before Dante DiVincenzo signed his rookie contract. There was a moment on Instagram. I think it was uh, it was DJ Wilson who posted on Instagram. Uh, DiVincenzo was holding his phone up to the to the camera and showing his bank account, which had like three dollars and fifty one cents, <laughs> like in checking and like two something, some random numbers. And so the headline is like Dante DiVincenzo has this much money to his name you know because whatever i i don't remember exactly what the headline was but that just took off and some of that is just because it gets seen by the right people brewers win by the way three to one oh pomerantz finishes it nice drew pomerantz a stud today um sometimes just seen by the right people and, and shared frank kaminsky and dan dockage having a disagreement was one of my biggest ones this year and that was because we were kind of tinkering <laughs> with the facebook sponsor <laughs> thing and it kind of got feud. caught into in a wheel there for a while where yeah. it was out there but uh but yeah, that's and that comes back to my point. That feud, those feuds are are big. People and it's not love that feuds, and it's sometimes not even we're try, not even trying to sensationalize it. Just saying it exists. Like here is what Frank Kaminsky said. Here's what Dan Dockage said. Here's what Aaron Rodgers said. Here's what Matt Lafleur said. You don't even need to comment on it. People will read into it that you have done some sort of slant to it. But um, but just saying it's out there is interesting to people. People definitely want that. So I always think about that. When I hear people say, oh, you know, mainstream media taking it and spinning it. And it's not spinning it. Sometimes they're just saying it exists because they know that people are interested in knowing, you know, that it exists. <laughs> this has been your journalism TED Talk. Thank you I, for listening. I enjoyed it. It was very good. Let's um, get to my numbers. Numbers. I love I've got a, numbers. I got a theme this week. The theme of the <laughs> the theme is four. It's it's the Brett Favre week. You know it is, baby. Brett Favre, Cherry Star. Tell me that didn't do a little bit for your heartstrings. Yes, it did. It was great. Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. Anyway, with the theme of four, let's see if I can pull this off. Number one, four points. That's the number of points we lost by this OPI review that we discussed earlier. Dalvin Cook blocking two dudes. That's illegal. It's a pick play. Yep. Normally, nobody saw that or wanted to review it. It just they review scoring <laughs> plays and the referees or whomever, and not the referees. Guys in New York, whoever yep. the replay officials are, saw Dalvin Cook was up to no good, decided he was causing problems in the neighborhood, and decided that uh, the play had to come back. So um, I think my personal view on this is that this is the type of thing that will come up a couple more times, and then it will be de-emphasized unofficially. But I don't know. What is? What do you think I is going to happen I think there? it will. Interesting. Uh, I, because, so it's very easy to de-emphasize on-field calls. And I, I know exactly what you're referencing. It is the rolling over on the quarterback rule emphasis from last year, yes. right? Uh-huh. That started to go away after the Clay Matthews debacles kind of happened. Um, the problem with this is they are kind of obligated to what? Oh, I want sorry. the Roku remote so I can turn on the Cubs game. Oh, sorry. I don't... <laughs> okay, try. Um, oh, oh, I can... No, no. Don't worry. I got this. Okay, You cool. keep talking. All right. Um, <laughs> by the way, Cubs losing right now. Um, and we're going to be watching. Yes, hopefully so. Um, 
so they're obligated to look at every play in the booth. And it's not like they can just like slough it off in real time right. as a, a, a de-emphasis. That you know, there's guys doing quality control on the reviewers in New York. Um, it's almost a conspiracy if they de-emphasize it on the review side mm. because they look at everything. They're they're obligated to look at it, and it's going to be tricky to make that go away. Yeah, I think it might be a really really obnoxious thing for the whole season that rears its head at. You know, oh, I, I compared it on Twitter the other day too. I, I used to always, on every catch that was made where a guy went to the ground, it was always like, oh, a catch, yes. And then, you know, for five seconds after the catch, you're like, was it a catch? Are they going to have to look at it? <laughs> right. I, I don't know what a catch is anymore. So, like, I think every scoring play now is going to be like, oh, God, was there a pick play on the backside? Is there OPI we didn't see? Is it actually a touchdown? Like, that's going to be in the back of everybody's head for the entire rest of the year, and it's going to be a, a super annoying. It, this this rule is terrible. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe they'll de-emphasize it. Well, and, and different from on the field in that this is the type of thing that we will be able to see in every studio show in America. Yep. Oh, they clearly missed this. But then again, I don't know if that's any different than what we've seen already from week two where there are these two just insane calls I mean, these. What's what's the difference? Reviewable, not reviewable. These things are game changing situations. Like I, I don't know, I I could see where we just. I mean, honestly, like as the layman, when I watch the Dalvin Cook play, I don't know that's pass interference. Nah, and I, I'm not smart enough to know that. And I, I I hate any subjective call having to be replayed. It's ridiculous. Like I'm fine with all the machine help available on anything that's objective sidelines and goal lines and whatever you want to do there but like th- this is like you're like judging plays now like, right <laughs> like, yeah like there's an aesthetic <laughs> aspect to it like <laughs> the russian judge not impressed exactly it's re- it, it, this is a ridiculous rule um it's it's to fix a problem that they should have fixed last year by frankly disciplining or firing a referee for missing an egregious call on the national stage that yeah. cost the team a trip to the Super Bowl. Um, and this is not how you fix it. it. It's It makes things worse. It's terrible. I, yeah. I hate it. All right, so my next number. we got 4.15. That's yards per carry for Dalvin Cook outside of the 75-yard run. I know, I know, I know. You can't just discount the big play, the big boom play. Well, 4.15 is still pretty good. After. It is, it is. <laughs> I mean, it is. And that's sort of the point. The Dalvin Cook was still, was still good, but... I feel like you if you if you knew that you'd live with it. You'd live with it if you're the Green Bay Packers and I don't know if it says a whole lot about the I mean the run defense going up against somebody that might be a top probably is a top 3 running back in the NFL. How do you uh, how do you feel about it? Zadarius Smith did some good things again, you know, we saw that you know Preston so, made some plays as always, but I'll, I'll I'll tell you a secret about myself which is that when the other team gets a lot of rushing yards on my team with with one exception, I'm always happy about it. Um that is because even though Kirk Cousins is bad and Dalvin Cook is excellent, it is still more efficient to pass than run. And if you're doing it successfully, you tend to do it too much and become less efficient. And in this case, that is true because Dalvin Cook, he had a good game in a lot of ways on paper. 75-yard touchdowns, obviously great. Mm-hmm. Even his DVOA is great. I think he's number one overall right now. He is How- indeed, yeah. However, um, in that game, he had 10 carries that were not successful. Um, which is more than Aaron Jones had. Um, that's he got less than five yards on first down. He actually got three yards or less ten times. Yeah, I saw that um, headline trying to convince me that Aaron Jones had a more efficient game than Dalvin Cook, and I'm, I, I guess, I it, guess. It, it, well, it, here's the thing: like, it, it, more efficient is kind of a loaded term when you have a 75 yard touchdown run. <laughs> I mean, that, that's obviously a a very valuable play, and right. you know, it takes a lot of 
first in first down six yard carries to make a seventy five yard touchdown run. So yeah, and that, I'm not sure how many guys could have done that. Like I mean, obviously there are very fast running backs, but that was a really that was Dalvin Cook. Man, he's very good. Um, but he did not consistently put the Vikings in great position. He, he was very good. He had a good game, but he did enough to put Cousins in tough spots passing. Where uh, I, I'll take that game. Like I'll, I'll absolutely take that game. He only, I mean, if I'd like them to eliminate the seventy-five yard touchdown run, but in generally, if they can keep running backs to that success rate, that's that's a win, no matter how many yards they pick up. And if like if this, I mean, he's good. That's the thing. Like they're not gonna play anybody as good as Dalvin Cook probably the rest of the year. Uh, I don't, off the top of my head, I cannot think of anybody who they're going to have that's that's going to be better than him. So yeah. this is it. Um, nobody's going to be as good rushing as this was. And uh, yeah, this is fine. That's that's totally fine. If they clamped down on the pass like they did and give up that much rushing, don't care. That's great. Okay. Next up, 44 minutes. We did kind of touch on this. 44 minutes without a point. Yeah. They had 124 <laughs> yards after the first 15 minutes. And you said there's some luck involved here. And, and I, I believe you, but... Uh, I feel like if we were to point the finger at somebody and say, look, we just, the offense needs an upgrade here, probably tight end, right? With Jimmy Graham? I do tight end or receiver. I think you go either way. Um, I don't know what I would do first. Um, I might do receiver first. I think outside receiver is a little mm-hmm. more valuable position wise than tight end, but I would take either. They both need upgrades. And yeah, this was uh, pointing the finger. Like, I think LaFleur called a good game. I think he called a lot of good plays in the second half. I think Rodgers played generally pretty well. He had some drops um, that that hurt him. The the bad the the bad here was the personnel outside of Adams. That is why they didn't score. If they had better secondary receivers or a better tight end, they would have scored more points. Why do you think Adams was able to have such a good game against this defense, and then against the Bears, he just was shut down? Uh, well, one reason I think Kyle Fuller is now better than Xavier Rhodes is, and Man, Xavier Kyle Ro- Fuller, congrats to that. Yeah, Xavier Rhodes had a really good game last week. Um, uh, I, I'm. I, had, I will confess I did not watch the Vikings-Falcons uh, game in great detail. I, I mean, did it was 28 nothing. It was boring, and I watched some of it. Um, but they came in to this game ranked number one against number one receivers. They shut out Julio Jones almost completely. I'm, there's probably help and bracketing involved in that. I don't know why they wouldn't do the same thing to Devontae Adams, because nobody else can really beat you. But Rhodes is not as good as Fuller. And Adams has kind of had his way with him a couple times now. He, I think he had a, like a touchdown streak against him. Um, and he's just... A, Adams is a top five receiver. He's really, really good. And Rhodes, while still very good, is not what he used to be. So um, I think they did start to give him more help in the second half. And that's one of the d- disturbing things about this. There was opportunities there for the other receivers to do some damage um, once they started moving more people over to Adams, and it did not happen. Hmm. Second game in a row that that was the case, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, I'm, I don't want to say I'm disappointed in Valdez Scantling because I think there's still... I think he could still develop pretty... into a pretty strong receiver. It's just... We're not we're not seeing that there's a clear number two on this team, and that's nope. like you said, that's maybe a good reason to start rotating other guys in and see what you got. Yeah, I, I would like to see Shepard and Lazard get some run. They were at least productive. And preseason's garbage, yes, but um, <laughs> it sure is. They are in some ways more physically talented than the people in front of them, and they have, have at least produced in some capacity on an, at an NFL level or something like it. So. Yeah. All right, so the next four, four turnovers forced. That uh, we, We've talked a little bit. There's obviously some randomness with turnovers. When a team is really good at it, it doesn't mean that they'll be good at it the following year. But I, I, the thing that's, that interests me, the, the play where Alexander had a chance at a, um, 
had a chance at an interception and wound up uh, giving up a touchdown, touchdown instead. Yeah. It's super easy as as the casual fan to say he's just got to knock that down. You know, he's got to know where he is, and and I guess there's some wisdom to that. But also, I do think they should be trying for turnovers. Those are very meaningful yeah. plays. So I kind of am okay with that. I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of that. It does seem like this, you know, the Savage and the Goodson plays that I mentioned earlier, other examples of them really hunting for those turnovers. I feel like you got to live with a couple of those to be a team that's, you know, really out there to get those things. Yeah, so, I'd agree with that. And I, I don't even, like, you see some gambles where a guy tries to, like, step in front of a bullet and, and take that back for six and get beat really badly. Right. This really wasn't that. Like, he was in good position, and it wasn't... It was like, incredible that he, he was even in position. It was. He did a good job to get himself in good position. He, he should have caught it, and it, it was just one of those things that slipped through his fingers. Not anything that really Diggs did. It was a nice throw by Cousins, um, one of his better of the game. And, and yeah, it just happens. Like, he, he was in a good spot, and sometimes that just doesn't go your way anyway. So, um, totally fine to go for the pick there. It's a huge play if you get a pick there. It, it takes seven points off the board, and three minimum. So, um, it, it, he needs to start bringing in some of these picks, but he has... Uh, how many chances has Alexander had so far? Like four or five? Like he, he he's in good he's in great position all the time. So um, it's fine. It, it, that play, yeah, it hap- It's going to happen. It's not a big deal. Yeah. It's good he was there. All right. So the f- the final four here, fourth down play, the play <laughs> that Aaron Rodgers yeah. supposedly didn't understand that they didn't get the first down on third and one when they when the, he threw a short pass to Allison. Allison was battling for that yard, didn't get it supposedly and, and they're not going to a huddle at this point so there's a there's a tempo to consider and uh just didn't get the information in fast enough as to exactly what play to call there so they end up with a run to jamal williams it got stuffed pretty badly i'm a little foggy on this i, I don't understand i mean i feel like they had that scripted out one way or the other that they were going to go for it on fourth down so i don't know why this was so weird but i also <laughs> i'm also a little skeptical when aaron Rodgers, who has kind of demonstrated that he might be one of the smartest people on the planet. I'm kind of skeptical when he says he misunderstood what was going on. I, I, I can see that it could have, it probably did happen here. It's just, there was some weirdness all the way around. I think his explanation makes sense with how, how they actually ran the next play. Um, it's, it's a weird mistake to make. I agree with that. It, it's, it's just bizarre, but, uh, I, I mean, th- there's no real other reason that the play would have happened. <laughs> so I don't know what the, ex- the other explanation is just like, Everybody lost their minds, I guess. <laughs> yes. So, it, it, I, I believe it. it. I could see it happening. Like, you, in the heat of the moment, and you think you got the first down, and you don't actually think you got the first down, that is what you do. You hustle up to the line, you get a playoff, so they can't review it. Right. And, um, it, you know, it's weird and unfortunate again, like, but whatever. It cost happened. them at least cost, three points. Cost them a field goal, um, probably, so... Okay. Um, All right. So, uh, so that's that. Those are the numbers. Before we get to the questions, injury situation. Raven Green seems like he's well. He's on he's, IR, so he's, he's gone IR. for several he amount is, of weeks. He's done. Sounds, uh, so BJ Goodson, they they brought him in to, to be the guy, and he was for the most part on you know in week two. But man, I don't know. After seeing what Raven Green did in week one, I think that's an underrated loss. I think so too. That it's one of those where it really gives you that versatility to play against run or pass. He was doing great. We we all expressed concern last week that he is undersized for that position and because it could it get hurt is an injury risk and yes he did in fact get injured so um, I don't know what they're going to do there uh, going forward I, I do kind of wonder if Tremont w- winds up there eventually um, but I, I keep wanting to move him to safety yeah he's we, we keep back as much as we've mentioned Andy Schaff we've mentioned moving Tremont to, to safety, safety. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely a thing but it will definitely hurt them um, having Goodson out there is 
is a different animal. They're not as good in pass defense with him out there. Um, when Brooks comes back, it, again, like they really could use that hybrid player to go there. It's really, I think, what Patton wants to do. Um, so they, they they did they brought in a a defensive back today whose last name is Smith, whose first name oh it, Tr- Tremont Smith. It's yes <laughs> because we need, <laughs> now we have another one to talk about. We, we now have we a, like a hybrid of we both like Tremont and the Smiths. And the Smiths. We, we like Smiths and we like Tremonts and we have we have a combo now. You said the Packers have a type. They do. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what they're thinking is with that doing that other than you know they needed another defensive back, but it it, it really does hurt their their flexibility losing Green. Like it's it's much bigger loss than it has any right to be. But he he was good. He helped out a lot of the defense. So um, it's going to hurt them. It, they're going to have to do a lot more rotating. They'll probably get caught out of position more than they otherwise did. So yeah. it's bad. Um, the good news is Darnell Savage walked out of that game in a boot, and apparently he just got kicked in the shin, has a big bruise, and is going to be okay. So, I'm always a little skeptical. Oh, he walked in, came out in a walking boot, but uh-huh. just got kicked in the shin. That's uh-huh. the word. Okay. Well, it does sound like, though, that he'll probably play. And uh, Bakhtiari played. And looked fine, so that's encouraging. Yep. Balaga and, was a stud again, so yeah, Balaga. Man, the Balaga sense is upon us. That's two <laughs> great games for Brian Bulaga. Uh, you just hope he stays healthy because the issue that's yep. always been an issue. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But uh, mostly through two weeks, kind of hard to argue with their health. It's uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, it you has know, been. Or Bur- Burks, like you said, hopefully be back soon. But uh, it's pretty good. Yep. I mean. All the injuries we talked about have been pretty minor. I mean, mm-hmm. Losing Raven Green, I mean, almost every team in the NFL has had a worse injury than that. Totally so, agree. Right. Um, they're they're in good shape going forward for a little bit here, so that's good. Questions. Oh, questions. I had them all fired up, and then my phone went dark. Um, we had a lot of questions this week. Really? So, yep. We get to be choosy. We do. I, I can skip them some if they're oh, terrible. So sorry, that's guys. Good. Um, thank you for submitting them, even though we are ignoring you. <laughs> ah, oh, so um, uh, from 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 Bootsy. That's good. Yeah, I know him. Uh, okay. He's um, a good Twitter follow. Oh, I, I like him. I will follow Bootsy after this. Um, not that I probably need to bring it up, but how do you think Jamal Adams would fit, and how much do you think you, you would be willing to give up to get him? Funny thing is, you just mentioned Jamal Adams, so tell me all about him. Did I? Didn't you say he was one of the guys that they would they would bring in? Um, I, 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 no, 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 no. I know what I'm thinking of. It's when we were talking about receivers. You had somebody else. Okay. Well, anyway. Forget that. Um, Jamal Adams is really good, and he would be an excellent fit. And he plays for a team that's going to be just awful, and um, so he may be available. Um, and yeah, that that that's a that is a good call. I, I mean, it's one of those things where predicting any Packer trade is basically impossible. But um, he is a perfect fit, and I'd be willing to give up. Uh, I don't. This is a hard thing to do from from the sidelines, but I would give up a decent pick for Jamal Adams. Like uh, I'd. I have a hard time going higher than third round, but I think I would probably do that. I was going to get his contract up real quick. Um, Meanwhile, I was looking up the Jets because I think I saw this outline yeah. earlier that the Jets benched him for anticipating wrong. Oh, the Jets are so the bad. The Jets are awful. They're, they're so bad. Yeah, I mean, they also got totally snake bitten, but they're just terrible. Um, so let me just let's see his contract real quick um, because that's really the uh, when you speculate about trades. They've got to be able to be traded in the first place. So he's he's a second-year player. He's really good. He is signed through 2020, and it is not punitive. He can totally be moved. So, um, Do you, I'm, I'm Minka Fitzpatrick, speaking of like yeah. dudes from bad teams getting traded, I would have thought that the Packers would have been at least interested there. I think they probably were. That was a hard offer to beat because they yeah. got a first-round pick from a team that's going to be just terrible. So um, uh, Pittsburgh, first of all, it, it is good to trade for Minka Fitzpatrick because he is a – just a, a good player and a steal of a contract for several years. So even if you're a bad team, it's 
fine if you get him. But Pittsburgh should not be parting with draft picks lately because they're going to just be terrible um, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So, I, he's, a, he's a young player. He can make up a core, so it's fine. It's not like a stupid trade. It kind of was for the Dolphins because same thing applies for them. The Dolphins have um, no hope right now. It's just, <laughs> is, Trevor, is this the Trevor draft? It's not, right? We've got another year before Trevor Lawrence. I think it's another Lawrence. year before Trevor Lawrence they, is drafted. They are so. committed to the bit, though. They are, they, are the, they are the people camping out the night before yep. to get the new iPhone or the Hamilton tickets. They are not messing around. They are, yep. They're going to suck now and in, and the, in future. the future. But yeah, I, I like the Jamal Adams call. I think he's a, a good fit, a good player, and I would give up kind of a lot to get him. So Would you give up first round for sure? I would not give up a first round pick. Okay. But I am I am a pick hoarder, and I... I, I but if you're a hoarder, it's not about the quality then, it's about the quantity. It is, that's true. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't give up a first. I might give up a second. Okay. But, um, what, what, what I would I? totally give up a second round pick. <laughs> All right. I would not even blink. All righty. So, um, next up from Jonathan Deal. Last year, Diggs and Thielen went for nine, 128 and two touchdowns and 12, 131 and one touchdown at Lambeau, also against King and Jair. King played in that game? Oh, okay. And doesn't matter. This year, 145, 1575. Same quarterback, same defensive coordinator, same stadium, same players. What changed? Well, they got a year older. Um, a lot one of things thing. changed. First of all, yeah, the corners may be the same. And uh, I did not check if King actually played in that game, but. I, even if King did play in that game, he was probably banged up. But um, <laughs> he did occasionally play. Your cornerbacks work in tandem with your pass rush, and the Packer pass rush is far better this year than it was last year. Cousins had much less time to throw. He was pretty harassed. Um, his clean pockets were not non-existent, but kind of rare. And of course, the other thing is your safeties and corners Incredible work in tandem safeties. too. And the safeties last year were, were just awful. Like some of the worst safeties in like all of football for many, many years out. So shout out to um, Haha. Yeah, shout, shout out to Haha and Bryce and whoever other uh-huh. trash they're running out there. But when you're a corner, I mean, in fairness, Kentrell Bryce, good story. You know, worked his way up yeah, by his bootstraps, but still, yes, like, fine. undrafted free agents are usually that way for a reason. Yeah, correct. Um, nothing against him personally. He's just bad at football. Yes. Um, when when you have bad safeties behind you and you're playing corner, you find yourself having to guess a lot more about whether you guys going to break one off deep or in or out. That and you can't rely on the safety being there deep. Now that the Packers have good safeties behind them, uh, who are doing doing what they're supposed to and being where they're supposed to, the corners can play more technically sound defense sticking to the guys more closely not worrying if they get beaten on a double move randomly because there'll be somebody there to help them on most plays um that's the big difference like it's just a more structurally sound defense all the parts are working together to help the corners be as efficient as they can we talked last week about the additions of preston zadarius smith and adrian amos sure look good that theme has not changed nope has not they were awesome yeah they were uh, i mean we we had amos last week with the big blow he was he was good this week um you know didn't have the big splash play that's not his game really he's a good right. run sport Never guy has been. um but uh, preston smith was outstanding this game zadarius was still good preston set the edge he got press pressure when he needed to and just awareness on that interception also like um for for a big man he was all over the place he was outstanding yeah what a great pickup um let's see uh, from Igniter Kid, JD. Hey. Um, how can the offense sustain the success they had in the first quarter over the course of an entire game? And why not get Adams the ball more on quick passes? Um, so, first part is I think they probably can do that. And like I said, they got a little bit unlucky. Um, the other thing uh, it, it, I would be a little more optimistic about is as they implement more of the offense right. from game to game to game, 
these concepts will become more familiar to everybody, like Lafleur and Rogers both, and they'll be able to, you know, audible and adapt to plays they've run earlier and run counterplays off of them to continue to fool defenses. Like you saw that in the first quarter, a ton. Um, that first quarter was a masterpiece of offensive play calling. It was not after that, but it was at first. Uh, as the season gets on and they get more familiar with the playbook and running things, that that'll probably happen more often. So um, if you want to be optimistic, there's your optimistic take. Um, as for Adams in space, um, so he's a great slant runner. However, you shouldn't run plays just to get players the ball. It almost never works. There are exceptions. Like if you want to throw bombs to Calvin Johnson all day, that'll probably work okay. He's good at catching them. But um, whenever you try and force the ball to guys um, just to get get it in their hands, defenses account for that. And they, they doubled up Adams a lot in the second half, they have to have guys who can take advantage of when they take Adams out. If you throw a slant to Adams and he's got a guy over his outside and his inside, all that's going to happen is he's going to die. <laughs> Nobody wants We don't want that. him to die. No. Um, so the, the best way to get Adams the ball more frequently is to have other guys who can get the ball more frequently so that they can't put three guys on him all the time. That's what's got to happen. So, uh, yeah, if you don't have him on the outside, there's nobody else who can do what he does on the outside nope. on this roster right now. So you got to have that option, f- not necessarily first all the time, but definitely in your bag of tricks. <laughs> Let's see. We'll save Ryan Ziegler. We'll save yours for next week when Matt's back because I know it's for him. Um, <laughs> see uh <laughs> we miss you matub we know you're listening he's not listening so uh, james i think we kind of answered yours there um to some extent so sorry we'll, we'll we'll get you next time but um let's see we, we have so many um uh, this is a good one aaron's aaron savage um what would you need to change about the nfl for running backs to recover the value they had 20 or 30 years ago um dang yeah um it's a good question. Because isn't it? It's not so much that they had more value; it's that we understand the value better. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. I I think that is true. However, I also think they were more valuable back then because of the way passing was officiated. Um, it was there. Were, uh, interference was not as tight. <laughs> we're we're getting mad about it. Oh, all right, Cincinnati double play, but it wasn't a double play, so good for that. Um, <laughs> Well, we, we need will, the Cubs. To we lose. really want the Cubs to lose it's right just now. It's very yeah. important to us right it, now. It is. So um, uh, the game somehow was, they got two outs out of that play, but I think the graphic might be wrong. It's wrong. It's so wrong. It's so wrong. Um, anyway, so passing was not as easy or valuable um, back in the day. Um, the further back you go, the more that's true. Um, you could hit guys more in the secondary, um, both in terms of interfering more legally. And in terms of just drilling guys um, over the middle, like turnovers were more frequent um, passing back in the day when that could happen. Uh, There were more interceptions. People protect the ball more now and running comparatively was more valuable. Here's the other thing. In college, that's not the case. Running is valuable in college compared to passing for a lot of teams and Wisconsin being one of them, by the way. Um, So it's, it's not so much that it's impossible for that to happen and it's just that the way the NFL is set up makes it so. So um, if you made it so that passing was more difficult in some capacity, um, you could have more hands-on receivers, um, or made it so that the offensive line had some additional advantage um, run blocking versus pass blocking, which is kind of the case right now. Um, you can fire off the line run blocking. You can't do that pass blocking. Um, that could also make it. So 
It, the reason I don't think it will happen is there are definitely some structural problems with the NFL that make it almost impossible. Well, Defense talks about it. Roughing the passer being one of the best receivers in football, <laughs> and pass interference being the other best yeah. receiver in football. The, the big problem in the NFL is defenses are just really fast, and like things like triple option don't work in the NFL. Um, so maybe they would. I, I'd love. I would like to see it tried just as an experiment. Not going to get to, but everybody who knows the Dolphins just do it. Everybody okay. who knows about football tells me that linebacker speed makes it so it wouldn't work, and I have no reason to doubt people who are smarter than me about that kind of thing. So. Um, it's just harder to run the ball in the NFL. It probably will never be as hard to pass. And so that's the reason. So it, it would take a big rule change, a big emphasis on running to actually make it happen. Um, I, I like, I love running. Like I like watching Wisconsin. I like watching triple option teams in college. So like, I wish it was more useful. Running backs are fun. Like I miss running backs being like great fantasy players and super exciting and like watching Barry Sanders and uh, you know, guys like that. But yeah, just not the way the game is anymore. Yeah, fantasy football is different for me. You mentioned that. Like, I, I don't play fantasy football anymore, and this wasn't one of the reasons I got out of it. But it is different now when you're thinking, you know, you're not thinking about workhorse running backs who are also get the touchdowns. You almost you the, the handcuff concept had to be. I mean, I don't even know if we're there anymore. It's more like you know, you just got to hope for the best with yeah, kind of whatever you can find. There's not a lot of workhorses anymore. There, there's like two or three of them, but most of the time it's by committee. And you had Ladanian Thompson or Sean Alexander, you were going to win your league, man. <laughs> yeah, there was much. so much money in there. But it, it, it is kind of a bummer that it's not a more diverse game. It's Baseball's kind of got a similar thing going on with the home run ball right now. For like, sure. Um, it'd be nice to be able to get more balance back. I, I just don't think it's really possible. So, unfortunate, but eh, I might be wrong. Maybe they'll change up in a bit when, you know, I, honestly, if you wanted to emphasize player safety a little bit more, a few extra running plays might not be the worst thing in the yeah. world. Like, guys get just killed over the middle and... Yeah. Do you think there is an inefficiency on offense that's a little untapped? That I mean, like, what, what, so, where do they go from here? Maybe that, that's a good question. Um, I have, I've had a lot of ideas that have kind of come true over time about like people don't pass enough and things like that. And then I have crazy ideas that I think are are stupid. Um, <laughs> and um, I mean, those are just as valuable. <laughs> this is a podcast. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, so one thing, I I, I have no idea what's going to happen next. Um, I. I I think they've kind of maxed out like the passing. Uh, it's pretty clear. One thing that's pretty clear is just avoiding interceptions isn't actually that efficient. So I think you might see more deep passing come back into vogue, which would be good because deep passing is exciting and good. And I don't think interceptions are as damaging as they're made out to be. I could be wrong about that, but um, like just watching Rogers who does avoid interceptions like the plague, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes can't move the ball. And um, there is there was an interesting concept that came up in in analytics like last week that um text western the acme pack company editor pointed out to me football outsiders wrote on it today uh, about the things that quarterbacks control um which is interception percentage and yard, yards per attempt um adjusted for for um touchdowns being extra yards and um sacks sacks are actually quarterback stat and uh there are types. Uh, Vince Verhe, I think Vince Verhe, I think wrote the piece today and bucketed all the quarterbacks into those three different types. And um, Rogers was in what he called the bystander group, which is you take sacks, you wait for plays to open. Mm-hmm. But Rogers doesn't hit big plays down the field. And the guys who were in the the bomb, the the yards per attempt category, were all the best quarterbacks. Um, there, Russell Wilson was with Rogers in that category. All the rest were bad. And so I I think there is definitely some some building consensus that throwing throwing deeper passes is more efficient. I think that would be a good thing. 
um, I could definitely see that making the game more exciting again. Hmm. So ho- hopefully it's that. Um, my, my most insane idea is to have um, two quarterbacks that, on the field to some extent that can throw passes. Just oh. Because I do think there's some value in being able to swing one side of the field to the other um, and getting guys open that way. That's insane. It takes a blocker out of play. It takes a wide receiver out of play. Probably won't ever happen. I'd love to see somebody try it sometime. I'm sure that people have thought about it and it's gotten people killed, but um, that's my <laughs> wacky idea for 25 years down the line. That probably yeah. will never happen. I'm going to need a, I'm gonna need some time to get used to that. That's like yeah. stealing first right now. Like, that seems ridiculous. And just, but I said it's a stupid idea. I understand yeah, I understand that, but I want to see it anyway. That's what I was looking anyway. for. Yeah. All right, let's take one more question and then get out of here. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to do two because one's five seconds. All um, right. Is Chicago deep dish pizza good? I think so, yes. Yeah, it's good. Um, you can't eat it all the time. It is It is uh, a big, big food. It, it's a gut bomb, um, but yeah. it is it is good. It is good occasional food. Um, people in Chicago don't eat it all the time. They eat normal pizza most of the time, too. But um, it gets too much shit. Um, it gets... Well, it's lasagna, but that's okay. Lasagna's delicious. Yeah. It... it it's it's still a good it's a good food item so yes so um let's see uh, let's do one more actual football question and then get out of here um i'm not doing that one it takes too long <laughs> not doing i love deep di- deep dish people yeah. i i think i almost freudian slipped there in a very terrible <laughs> you way almost did yeah um, i love deep dish pizza i just love it it's good oh man i might have used up all our football questions <laughs> oh shoot all the rest of them are joke questions Oh. Um, well, let's take Kyle Lobner's then, because um, how can you focus on football with baseball still going on? Um, and the answer we is we are clearly we're, not. We're watching baseball right now, so uh, we can in fact focus on two things at once. It's amazing. Um, all sports are good if you understand them and get enjoyment out of them. That's totally fine. So um, th- that's the answer. Counter point: I'm not sure I actually get an enjoyment out of this. It's mostly just you know gut wrenching every night. So uh, oh, I love baseball even when it's bad. It's it's the best. Yeah. It's the past. It's effect. torturous is what it is. This but is the best time when it actually matters. Well, when the Brewers have claimed September now for the second really 2017 it wasn't quite the uh, the takeover, but they were a winning team in 2017 September 2017. Yep. So uh, it's it's nice to have this last month all to themselves. Indeed. All right, all right. so that's so all we got. We're going to get out of here. I am going to really quick say who had the best fantasy week, although I think it was me again. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Let's see here. Meanwhile, um, I'm going to tell you what I got going on. You do that. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know much, to be, to be honest. I mean, <clears throat> a couple things I've written this week have just been sort of in the moment, but uh, I am really excited about a story that's coming up, not for this next week, but when the after the, the Packers play the Eagles on Thursday Night Football, we'll go into the Cowboys week. And I was able to track down the guy... Uh, he's a, he's an Oshkosh guy. Um, Kevin Spiegel. Oh his yeah. Name. He uh, he did a he he posted something to Snapchat that became iconic at a 2017 game at Jerry World in Dallas, where he posts a, a picture of him smiling confidently with these fan, if Dallas fans cheering in the background after they'd taken the lead with 113 left, with the message, you know, LMAO, they're cheering with 113 left, you know, basically implying Aaron Rodgers is going to come back and, and win the game. Which of course he did do, <laughs> and so that became. It's, I think it's still the number one, the number one post on Reddit for the Packers sub, which yeah. is which is a pretty considerable amount of, of eyeballs. And uh, he was a little hard to find, but but you know Reddit is undefeated at finding people, and I was able <laughs> to track him down, and talk about it. He thinks it's crazy that two years later it's still a big deal. He had sent this snap to uh, to sort of the the stadium feed, and somebody got a screenshot of it, and it just launched it into the into the stratosphere. So uh, I'm really excited to to unveil that because got to talk. It was fun to talk to him and everything so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that all right that's awesome so um i don't have a ton to plug either i'm i am i think gonna have an epa piece up up and i'm also gonna write about the 
um, the, the, the three true outcomes of quarterbacking sometime this week when I get a chance. Um, I was on my Acme Packing Company co-writer Jonathan Barnett's podcast yesterday, which is called the Scotty Johnny Podcast, which... <laughs> <sighs> it was fun. It was a good podcast. It was fun. Listen to it. Um, but uh, and my Shepherd Express article came out today, um, which has What's that about um, a recap of the game. Uh, Captain Aaron Jones pancaking Harrison Smith, um, previewing the Broncos a bit next week, um, just in terms of what they have to offer, which is not very much. They're they're the worst version of the two teams we just played. Um, quarterback almost as bad as everybody else. Vic Vangio, good defensive coordinator, just does not run a good offense. And by the way, Broncos, most shocking stat I heard all week, they have no sacks so far this year. What? Yes, Vic they, Fangio's team Vic has Fangio's, no sacks. Vic Fangio's team with Von Miller having played against Mitch Trubisky has no sacks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which is incredible. So, um, Well, they would have had one if it wasn't called roughing the passer. That's correct. That's what yep, that's yep, worth. Yep, they almost had one, but it cost them the game. Um <laughs> <laughs> the one sack they have cost them the game through no fault of their own. We yeah, say. yeah, yeah. Broncos it was got perfectly fine play. Anyway, um, okay. So real quick, before we get out, so uh, I did not score the most. I scored the second most. I did beat uh, T Brown, um, but closet surprise. Jay Rasmussen had one hundred forty-five point two points. He had the most points this week. He beat Jay Google by a ton. So good on that. Um, we have to mention. Stuff. Ryan changed his team's name to R.I.P. Fort McDuty in honor of Matt Tubb. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Andy Schaff yes. mentions got its first win of the year um, over Waukesha Applebee's. So um, good job, everybody, Maybe in the fantasy league. Yes. I am in my fantasy baseball semifinals playing the number one seed. The number one seed had both Mike Trout and Christian Yelich on his roster. It's why he's the number one seed. <laughs> it's a very good situation for yours. Yeah, yeah, good work there. Yes, um, I'm very excited. <laughs> took great. over a team this year. It was a rebuilding situation. They were dreadful. I think one of my keepers was Buster Posey. Joey Gallo was in there, who had a good year. He did have a good year. He had a great. He had a very nice year until he got dead. But uh, but yeah, yeah. I'm very proud of myself. Well done, Jr. Yeah, nice work. All right. Well, we will talk to you all next week. I'm actually going to the Bronco game, so we'll have oh some some, some live uh, reporting going on next week. You, so. you can do a live hit, a live podcast hit from the. I, it's the third quarter. I am not doing that. It sounds like <laughs> no, a no one would do that. Terrible idea. That's really bad. Yeah. It's like two quarterbacks on the field at the same time. <laughs> yes, Nobody it, would think it, it is that level bad. That is correct. <laughs> Well, thanks for having me. Yep, thanks for coming. See you guys next week. And that's how you get to Lama School. You go to Pico. You take Pico to Colorado. Take Colorado to Las Palmas. And that's how you get to Lama School. Pico? Take that to Colorado. Then go down to Pico. And that's how you get to Lama School. Now you say Pico. And take your little llamas Colorado, Colorado Las Palmas Get to llama school Get to llama school